Alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalam wa rasulu wa ba'd. The next lecture, inshallah, from 4.30 to 5.30, is the prophetic examples of upholding tawheed. The, the, uh, the lecture, inshallah, will be by Sheikh Salim al-Amri, and uh, we've, uh, we're quite tight with this lecture, so without further ado, I'm going to hand you straight over, inshallah, to the Sheikh to begin. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا إنه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم أما بعد Brothers and sisters in Islam Prophetic examples of upholding to the Tawheed from the life of the Prophet Before we delve into the topic we need to understand the real purpose behind our existence in this life is to fulfill and achieve servitude and show that we are real servants of Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is the sole purpose and the only purpose for which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created mankind. Allah is saying that He created mankind, the jinn and mankind, only to serve Him and to worship Him. So that is your real task and mission in this life. To worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he created man, Adam alayhi salam. And you know that Adam disobeyed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because of forgetfulness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before he created Adam informed the angels that the place of Adam is going to be the earth not the jannah. And then Adam salam, descended on earth. And he turned to Allah, repented, and Allah accepted his tawbah. So there is no room for inherited sin as Christians claim. And then the children of Adam remained upon the creed of monotheism. The monotheistic creed worshipping only one God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And that's Allah. And that lasted for ten generations. Then the deviation happened in the history of man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 213. Which means, mankind was one ummah. One nation. Then Allah sent prophets bringing good news and warnings. When the deviation happened, when the people started to deviate from the state path, the path of monotheistic creed, worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone, and the first deviation happened in the people of Lut, uh, of Nuh alayhi salam. As we are going to know. So man... From day one, 
knew Allah, knew His Creator. And this refutes the opinion of the philosophers. They say man was primitive and then knowing his Creator evolved in stages. Now, that has no room in Islam. Man from day one knew his Creator and knew his Lord. In Bukhari, it says that between Nuh and Adam were ten generations. All of them were upon the law of the truth. All of them, they were upon the sound belief. Then they differed. So Allah sent prophets as bringers of good news and as warners as well. In another hadith in Sahih Muslim, the Prophet said that Allah said, this is hadith Qudsi. When you are reading a hadith and you come across, Allah said, this is, we call it hadith Qudsi, sacred hadith. Why it is sacred hadith? Because it is attributed to Allah. So what is the difference between sacred hadith and normal hadith? The difference that the sacred hadith, the meaning from Allah and the wordings from the Prophet. Whereas the normal hadith, the prophetic saying, both the meaning and the wordings from the Prophet That's the difference. So this is a sacred hadith. Allah says, I created all my servants upon the true religion. Upon the true religion, worshipping Allah. Then the devils, the shayateen, then the devils came to them and led them astray from their true religion. They made unlawful to people that which I had made lawful for them. It's the devils. And we know we have many devils today. They turned the lawful unlawful and the unlawful lawful, right? So they are the devils. And they commanded them to associate in worship with me that which I had sent down, no authority. Deviation among the Arabs, just prior the advent of Islam. The Arabs, they were upon the belief of Ibrahim, They were upon the Hanifiyyah. That's why some remnants from the Hanifiyyah remained. Like sanctifies the, sanctifying the house of Allah, Hajj, Umrah, all these things remained. And the Arabs before Islam, they used to perform Hajj every year. And Quraysh, they used to uh, stay in Mina. They would not proceed to Arafat. So they would stop in Mina and stay in Mina. And the rest of the Arab tribes will go to Arafat. And the excuse the Quraysh used to give that we are the people of the Haram, so we should not come out of the Haram. When the Prophet ﷺ in Hadith Jabir, when he performed the Hajj, Quraysh were expecting that the Prophet ﷺ will also stay in, in Mina. To their surprise that the Prophet ﷺ proceeded to Arafat. So these are remnants and remaining things from the Hanifiyyah of Ibrahim ﷺ. So the Arabs, they were upon that. But what happened to the Arabs, and the Arabs, there is a common sickness among the Arabs. 
there is a, a blind fellowship of their leaders. This is a historical fact. The, those who were in charge of the Haram, Makkah, is the tribe of Khuza'a. And the head of Khuza'a is Amr ibn Luhay. So Amr ibn Luhay al-Khuza'i, this is just a brief introduction to the topic, he went to Damascus, Syria. And they, he found them worshipping idols, statues. So he asked them, what is, why are you doing this? They say, these are intermediaries. Intermediaries, intercessors between us and the Creator. So if we want rain, if we want anything, we communicate via the intermediary. He said, okay, give me one. And they gave him one. And he put it around the Kaaba. So when the rest of the tribes and the rest of the clans within his tribe saw that, so everyone started having his own. And the number reached how many? 360. Wonderful. That's how paganism entered Arabia, through this man. So the, the deviation among the Arabs in general was not philosophical deviation. It's not like the Greek shirk. It's not like the Persian shirk. It was very primitive shirk. The shirk among the Arabs. Primitive. We read in the seerah of Ibn Hisham, when Abdul Muttalib vowed to slaughter one of his children, and then they went to a magician and told them, just cast the arrows. It was just like tossing the coin. And until the, the idols are satisfied, every, every time you, toss the, you throw the arrow, put ten camels. Until the arrow comes oh, on the camels. So there are many arrows and one is written camels. That, then that is a sign that the gods now, the idols, are satisfied. And they were doing this until the number reached 100 camels, and then it came all oh, the camels. So they slaughtered all of them. What I'm saying here, while they were throw, uh, casting the, the arrows and throwing the arrows, Abdul Muttalib was standing and uh, raising his hands towards Allah. But he was standing next to Hubal. Hubal is an idol. Thinking that Hubal will convey his supplications. That's why the Prophet ﷺ, when he met one day the father of Imran, Hussein, he said, Oh Hussein, how many gods do you worship? He said, Seven. Six on earth and one in heaven. He said, Which one you fear most? He said, The one in heaven. He said, Worship the one in heaven and leave those on earth. And he became a Muslim. So that's how the Arabs became mushriks. And this guy, Amr ibn al-Hay al-Khuza'i, the Prophet ﷺ saw him in the hellfire. He said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I saw Amr in the night of ascension drawing his own intestines in the hellfire. Because he was the first one who brought idols into Arabia. And now, brothers and sisters, paganism is revived. Paganism now is revived. Even among the people of the book, paganism is gaining foot. 
And they are gaining a place. And they are gaining followers. Paganism. The pagans, number of the pagans is increasing. And also the same thing among the Muslims. Paganism is revived. How? Two worshippers. Grave worshippers. Saint worshippers. That's paganism. To come and ask the saint, the dead person, instead of Allah. Oh, Abdul Qadir Jilani. Oh, so and so, and so and so. That is shirk. And this is now is revived through the Sufis. The mystics. You go to the internet, write, if you want to know about any Sufi saint, and you'll see the Muslim of that saint and how to visit it and everything. So now paganism and sainthood and grave worship is revived. And that goes against the very basic teachings of Muhammad And the teachings of all the prophets who preceded before him. Allah said, وَلَقَدْ أُوحِيَ إِلَيْكَ وَإِلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِكَ لَإِنْ أَشْرَكْتَ لَيَحْبَطَنَّ عَمَلَكَ وَلَتَكُنَنَّ مِنَ الْخَاسِرِينَ فَلِلَّهَ فَعْبُدُوكُمْ مِنَ الشَّاكِرِينَ It has been revealed to you, O Muhammad, and to those who preceded you, if you associate any partner with Allah, all your deeds will be in vain. And you will be among the losers. And we know that prophets of Allah, they don't commit shirk. So why did Allah address his prophet in that way? The scholars are saying that is a message for us in the person of the Prophet ﷺ. Having said this, brothers and sisters, now we come to know and realize, we have to understand, and we have to come out from this conference and we learn something about our belief, our tawheed, that we associate no one but Allah. We ask no one but Allah. We raise our hands and cry only to Allah. We put our forehead on the floor only for Allah. We fear no one but Allah, etc., etc. Because the Tawheed is the core message of all the messages. All the prophets, they were calling their followers, worship Allah and do not associate any partner with Allah. And the whole Quran, brothers and sisters, from Alif Lam Mim till the end of Surah An-Nas. It's about Tawheed. It is revolving around the Tawheed. Either it is talking about the names of Allah, most beautiful names, about the attributes of Allah, about the rights of Allah, or what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has prepared for the righteous ones who obey Him. So the whole Quran is revolving and talking about the Tawheed. The oneness and the belief in the oneness of Allah. And the Prophet ﷺ, when he sent Mu'adh to Yemen, when he sent Mu'adh to Yemen, he told, Oh Mu'adh, I am sending you to the Yemenites, the people of Yemen. And they are people of the scripture. They are Jews and Christians. So equip yourself and be ready, ready for that. And he told him the first thing that you have to call them to is the Tawheed. The belief in the oneness of Allah. Then if they accept that, then inform them that they have to pray five prayers a day. Then if they accept that, you have to t- 
kazam that Allah imposed upon those who are financially able to give the zakah. So he sorted out the priorities for the mu'ad. So the first thing a da'i and a caller should begin with is what? Tawheed. If we make the priority which the Prophet ﷺ made it number one, the, in the end of the list of our priorities, which it is happening to a certain extent, extent nowadays among the Muslims, if you want to talk about Tawheed, you say, Ya there is no need for the Tawheed. All the Ummah are Muhibs. What is this? Brothers and sisters, millions of Muslims are dying upon the shirk. I'm not exaggerating. By Allah. Thousands and thousands. This moment now, they are performing tawaf around the graves. They are asking the dead, help, etc., etc. And no khilafah will be established on earth without tawheed. Because Allah says, وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَا يَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ كَمَا اسْتَخْلَفَ الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِهِمْ وَلَا يُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمْ الَّذِي ارْتَضَى لَهُمْ وَلَا يُبَدِّلَنَّهُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ خَوْفِهِمْ أَمْنًا يَعْبُدُونَنِي لَا يُشْرِكُونَ بِي شَيْئًا This is the condition. Allah promised those who believed among you and do righteous deeds that He will establish for them their deen on earth and He will appoint them as successors as He appointed those who preceded before them. But what is the condition? They worship, providing that. They worship me alone without associating any partner with me. Khilafah will not be established upon the hands of mushriks. Khilafah will not be established up, uh, through mushrik systems. Democracy, whatever you want to call it. Khilafah will be restored and established upon the methodology of the prophethood as the Prophet ﷺ prophesized. And it's going to happen. So Tawheed is the first thing and the first priority. That's why the Prophet ﷺ was so careful and he, was, he would not tolerate if there is anything that, is, that might, might contaminate or pollute the soundness of the belief. He was very strict regarding maintaining the purity of this deen. And of course, brothers, without knowing the, the opposite of the Tawheed, which is the Shirk, if you know Tawheed, you know Shirk. If you don't know the Tawheed, you will fall into the Shirk. And the Shirk, it's the only sin that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive. Will not forgive. And that is Shirk. And every pious man and every man who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should fear the shirk. See what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says regarding Ibrahim alayhi salam, the father of our prophet. وَإِذْ قَالَ إِبْرَاهِيمُ رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا الْبَلَدَ آمِنًا Which means, and remember when Ibrahim said, My Rabb, make this city Mecca one of peace of, and security and keep me and my sons away from worshipping idols. Ibrahim is crying to Allah, Oh Allah, save me from associating partners and worshipping idols. 
And this is Ibrahim salam. Imam Ahmad narrated that the Prophet says, these are different now, I'm going to mention practical things, things that Muslims are doing which are shirk. And they should not do that. He said, وسلم, whoever wears a tamima, tamima is for anything that is worn, like people they do around seashells, or twine, or uh, now they have these magnet bracelets. Understand? So anything that you think is going to ward off evil or cure you from something, that is called tamima. So the Prophet ﷺ says, whoever wears tamima, Allah will never see his wishes fulfilled. Your wishes will never be fulfilled. And whoever wears a wada'a, which is the same thing, like seashell or something, Allah will never grant him peace and tranquility. Because if you attach your heart to anything other than Allah, then you will be suffering. Put your trust in, in Allah. Ta'weedah, they call it ta'weedah, or talismans, that will not cure you. Even if it is from the Quran. That in itself is bid'ah. The wife of Ibn Mas'ud, he saw a thread tied around her neck. He said, what is this? He said, this is a thread that a Jew gave me because I have eye ailment. My eye is always shedding tears. So I went to this rabbi and he gave me this thread. And when I wore it, after I wore this thread, the shedding of tears stopped. Ibn Mas'ud said, Subhanallah. This is happening in the family of Abdullah? So he tore, he broke it. When he cut the thread, what happened? Tears started. Immediately. He said, this is from the shaitan. So he put his hand on her eye and he read. And the tears stopped. We have to rely upon Allah. When I fall sick, he is the one who heals me. We have to turn to Allah Azza wa for everything. So we leave these things which will take us away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course that is shirk. Ibn Abi Hatim uh, on the authority of Hudayfa, he said that he saw a man, Hudayfa saw a man with a thread in his hand to protect him from illness. So he cut it and he said, what is this? You associate partners with Allah? You associate partners with Allah? This thread is not going to heal you or cure you from any illness. Okay, because you see, brothers and sisters, though I'm running out of time, but we're taking our pace. What is important here is the piece of information to reach you. Here, the causes, what we call asbab, are two types. What can be considered as sabab, as a cause that we legal to be accepted. There are two types. Material one and spiritual one. In other words, there are two ways of curing. Material way, method, and that is the medicine, through medicine. 
Okay, that is permissible. The second method is spiritual way curing, of curing. That is through the ruqyah, Quran, ad'iyah, etc. If anything doesn't fall under these two categories, it is shirk. Is it clear to you now? If there's something material, medicine, certified, yes, alhamdulillah. If it is something spiritual, mentioned in the book of Allah, the Quran is shifa, is cure. And the son of the Prophet alhamdulillah. If it doesn't fall neither here nor here, then it is shirk. So now we ask the question, how, what about the seashell? Or a thread, or whatever, or talisman, or amulet? Does it fall under any of them? No. It's neither material nor spiritual. So it is shirk. That's simple. Also, the Prophet ﷺ, in this hadith which is very scary indeed, which is in Sahih Muslim, slaughtering for other than Allah. You know, in some Muslim countries, they slaughter animals for the dead people, for the saints. And they go to the grave and they slaughter the animal. You know, don't, maybe you don't hear about these things here in this country. It is quite famous. This is shirk. The Prophet ﷺ says in the hadith narrated by Ali radiallahu anhu, he said, Allah, the Prophet ﷺ said, Allah has cursed the one who slaughters in the name of other than Allah. Allah has cursed the one who curses his parents. Allah has cursed the one who protects and shelters the muhdith. I'm going to explain about the muhdith. Allah has cursed the one who alters the landmarks. There are four categories here. The first one, the one who slaughters for other than Allah. Even if you say Bismillah, that is shirk. And that meat cannot be eaten. Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, said, he said, if one slaughter an animal for other than Allah, the moment he finished slaughtering and slaying the animal, he has become kafir. By the time he finishes slaughtering the animal, he has become a disbeliever, apostate, out of Islam. Why? Because he has dedicated ibadah, which is the sacrifice, say my prayer and my sacrifice for Allah. So he offered that sacrifice and this act of worship to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So by the time he finishes slaughtering the animal, he's not a Muslim. Because the deeds should be dedicated exclusively for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then also Allah's curse upon the person who curses his parents. So they asked, how can one curse his parents? He said, he curses the parents of someone, so that one in retaliation does the same thing. So you are cursing your parents indirectly. You are cursing your parents indirectly. It is just like people who curse time. What a horrible day today. Oh, this is unbelievable. See? They are cursing time, people. And they are, maybe they think they are pious, etc. If you curse time, you are cursing Allah. Or maybe your sweetheart is saved. What a horrible moment I met you. 
right? Have you heard that? Or not yet? Okay, alhamdulillah, inshallah, you will not hear it one day. Okay, all right. So, so when you say that, you are cursing Allah because who planned all these things? Allah. Who made, yes, maybe two weeks ago, you had hot weather here? And the maximum how much? What? No, no, say Celsius. 36? 36 for us, that is pleasant weather. Come there and you will be toasted completely. All right? It is 50 degrees there. Celsius. All right? And people start cursing. Why it is happening like this? And just a week before, I was on Iqra station, and one of the sisters called from here during the wave, and she said, people are talking to me and say, why you are covering yourself? It is hot. What to say? I said, raise your head. Be proud. Yes, you feel the hotness. You feel the heat. But you say, I fear the heat of hellfire more than this. So I'm not going to remove my hijab. Because the heat of hellfire is unbearable. This is bearable. So people are cursing Allah. That's why the Prophet ﷺ says in the hadith that Allah is saying, Son of Adam curses me. He curses the time and I am the time. Follow stop. What do you mean Allah is the time? No. Continue and complete the hadith. You'll understand. I alter the day and the night. And the day and the night is the time. So what does it mean? Allah is not time. But the events that happen within the time, who create them? And who allow them to occur? Allah. So if you curse these events, you are cursing Allah. And you can see now yourself how many times you curse your Lord. Understand? Why we are doing these things? Lack of understanding of Tawheed. Another thing. And then he said, whoever shelters a muhdith. A muhdith is innovator. And you have many innovators in this country. Okay? Many innovators from all over who are misleading you and taking you away from the true Islam. Some will come and say, I am a Khalifa. You have Khalifa in London. May Allah bless you. Okay? And there are many naive brothers and sisters gave bay'ah to this Khalifa. Khalifa who is in dole. Begging the government. Imagine Khalifa like that. MashaAllah. Huh? Brothers, use at least this little bit. Okay? Khalifa, having the up lower hand. The Khalifa should have the upper hand. One of the rights among the, the, the obligations of the Khalifa Muslims is to protect his followers. Is he able to protect him, his followers? Where is his land, this Khalifa? He should go establish the Khilafah. And by Allah, when we see the flag of Khilafah is fluttering high in the sky, we will be rushing. Okay? But people here are hallucinating, dreaming. And subhanAllah, they find followers. Another one will say, I am your switch, spiritual leader. And you are my disciple. And I will guide you to Jannah. There is a, a famous Sufi guy. His name is, is from Cyprus. 
Sheikh Nazim, big shaitan, no doubt. He says to his followers, in the grave I will come and defend you. And the followers, they believe that. So those are muhdath, innovators. So if you shelter them and protect them, then Allah's curse be upon you. Also, he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Allah's curse upon the one who changes the landmarks. See, in olden days, people, they separate their lands by putting stones as marks. This is your land, this is my land. So there will be here pillars of stones. So someone might come at night and alter it, change it, add few meters. So Allah, Allah is watching. The landlord is not watching, but the, the load of the heavens and the earth is watching. So Allah's curse be upon that person. Nadr. Nadr, which is vowing. It is not something recommended. Many brothers, they have asked me, I have vowed, I have vowed, I have vowed. One sister called me, I have vowed to fast one year. I said, why? He said, you know, at one moment of time in Ramadan, I felt my spiritual level is touching the sky. So I want to maintain in that level, status of level. They don't know that the iman goes like, like the stock market. <laughs> Are you laughing? True or not? In Ramadan, that is the peak. On the eighth day, we go bankrupt. Right? You know why? Very simple, brothers and sisters. Because in Ramadan, our good deeds increased and multiplied. Satarawih, reading Quran, Astaghfirullah, and say, woman, Astaghfirullah. And eighth day, how are you, sister? Okay. So the iman falls drastically. Okay. So she, she said he, he she said I vowed to fast one year. I say you have to fast one year. Hadith is very clear. So please, brothers and sisters, never vow. It is not recommended. The Prophet ﷺ said, "Inna The vow will never bring you any good will never bring you any good. The vow will only force the stingy person. The stingy person, you will hardly get anything out of him. But the moment he vows, say, oh, now what, I, what did I do? I have to do something. I have to, to, to pay now. That's the only way where you can get something out of the miser or the stingy person. But it will not bring you baraka, it will not bring you any khair, any good. Alright. And on top of this, Peoples are actually, they behave impolitely with their Lord. How? Many of the people, when they make a condition, uh, a vow or another, they stabulate. They make it condition, conditional one. If and only if. Okay? If I pass my A level with flying colors, okay, distinction, I will fast three days. But I failed. Now fast. Because you didn't make me, make me pass my test. This is it. 
if my son recovers from my, his sickness, I will fast three days. The son passed away. No fast. True or not? So you see how we are doing this with Allah. That's why Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymah, they said, this is haram. This shows lack of manner. Who are you to put and impose your conditions upon your creator? Also, It is shirk, brothers and sisters, to seek help from other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The Prophet was teaching Ibn Abbas, and he was very young, very small. He said, if you seek help, seek it from Allah. Fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah will protect you wherever you are. And bear in mind, my son, that if the whole world get together to harm you, they cannot harm you unless it is huh, decreed by Allah. Let, we are not afraid of the disbelievers by Allah. We are afraid of our sins. That Allah might ruin us because of our sins. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave a promise to his prophet that he will not destroy the Muslim ummah by their enemies, but by among themselves fighting each other. So it is high time, brothers and sisters, to remove the fear from your heart. Fear none but Allah. And whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed, it's going to pass. Whether you shave your beard or not. Maybe some brothers, they said, after 11, what is it, 11 September or something? September, I'm not interested in that, okay? So, they start shaving their beards. One brother told me, you know, he's from Egypt, and he was traveling. He made Umrah, and he was traveling to his country, and then they have to go through the ferry, then to Egypt. He said, those who were with me, many of them, they were having beards, and all of a sudden disappeared. I didn't know what happened, and they came clean, clean shaved. And I, I, I didn't shave my beard, I carried on, and I came from the other side with the, driving my car, then the police stopped me, and there was a man, he said, can you take me to, with you, to Cairo. I said, okay, I'm alone. Then the last checkpoints, the police stopped them to check. Have you checked? So this man, next, he said, yes. So they said, they saluted the man. So saluted the man, that means this guy is the one of the government. He said, I am the one who is in charge of the security of the Red Sea. And he said, now we are not concentrating on those who come with, the, with beards. We are only concentrating on those who come clean-shaped. <laughs> okay? Because the one who is coming with, with his beard, he's telling you, here I am. I have nothing to hide. But the one who 
How they find? Because the color will be different. This area has never been touched by the sun. Okay? So it will be different. So the color is different. Oh, why did you shave it? You have something. Then come for interrogation. So, brothers and sisters, kiss goodbye to the fear. Kiss goodbye to the fear. And put your trust in the Lord. No one can harm you. Say, Hasbi Allah wa ni'mal wakil. Allah is my is sufficient for me. I fear no one but my Lord. You cannot harm me. And if something happens to me, that's what Allah willed. And I cannot avoid it. We should not crave for tests and trials. No. But when it happens, we say, Oh Allah, keep us steadfast. And strengthen our iman. Because brothers, the way to the Jannah is not covered with roses and red carpet. Full of thorns. Tests. Trials. You want the Jannah easily? Always the brothers when we are talking about the Jannah and we mention to them the Huriyat and that he was going to have 100 Huriyat. Faces are lit. Smile. Happy. And they want that without paying any price. The Huriyat you have at home, how much did you... Huh? To get married, how much did it cost you? Years and years of sweating. And you want the Jannah just like that? Okay. <clears throat> so, fear, to fear other than Allah, because fear, brothers and sisters, are different levels. One type of fear is shirk, and that's to fear the dead people. Or another type of fear which is ibadah, and that's to fear Allah. As Allah said, وَلِمَنْ خَافَ مَقَامَ رَبِّهِ جَنَّتَانِ For those who fear Allah, there are two jannah for them. So that is ibadah, to fear Allah. The third level of fear, which is haram. And that's to fear the, the people, human beings. And sometimes that haram, if you exceed the limit, it will become shirk. And the fourth type of fear is natural. Natural. We fear the fire. There is fire broke here. May Allah forbid. God forbid. No one will stay. We'll run away. Right? So that's natural. That's something instinctive. Musa alayhi salam, Allah says, فَأَصْبَحَ فِي الْمَدِينَةِ خَائِفًا Because Musa alayhi salam, he passed by one of his, the Bani Israel, and he was arguing with an Egyptian. So he said, Musa alayhi salam, MashaAllah. So he said to the Egyptian, the Quran said, فَوَكَزْهُ He did like this. The guy fell down dead. Musa didn't mean to kill him. So Musa now is afraid. And he's a prophet. He's afraid. That is natural fear. So in the morning he was looking here, right and back. Okay, Maybe they are after him. And that's why he left Egypt, as you know. That's natural fear. The prophet's protectiveness of the Tawheed. The Prophet ﷺ says in the hadith which is in Sunan Abu Dawood. He said, do not make your homes into graves. 
nor make my grave into a place of celebration. Send your prayers and blessings upon me, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Say so. Yes. If you don't say sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when his name is mentioned, you are sinful. And the Prophet sallallahu said, أَخْطَأَ طَرِيقَ الْجَنَّةِ مَنْ ذُكُرْتُ عُنْدَهُ وَلَمْ يُصَلِّ عَلَيْهِ he missed the way to the Jannah, the one when my name is mentioned and he didn't say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So it is obligatory, it is fard, when the name of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is mentioned, is to say Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And the blessings are numerous. The reward you'll get out of that. So, send your salah. And for they will be conveyed to me wherever you may be. This hadith is beautiful. That wherever you are, when you say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad, kama sallayta ala Ibrahima wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid, wa barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad, kama barakta ala Ibrahima wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka hamidun majid, this salah reaches the Prophet sallallahu How? An angel conveys it to the Prophet sallallahu I'm sure many of you those who went to Hajj, many people, Akhi, I will convey, convey my salam to the Prophet. So, tell him, no, 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 no. I am the bad boss man. Okay? You cannot trust me. I'm not a reliable messenger. I will forget. But there is a messenger who will never forget. And that's the messenger of Allah. One of the angels. Say, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and it will, it will reach the, the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, your salam. Wherever you are, angels are conveying. And when you say the salah upon, send your salah upon the Prophet ﷺ, what happens? Allah restores and sends the soul to the body of the Prophet ﷺ. Because the soul of the body of the Prophet ﷺ is not in the body. So the ruh comes back to the body. And many people they are saying the Prophet ﷺ is alive in his grave. Because the people are 24 hours constantly making salah. What proof do you have for that? People, they just speculate. What proof do you have that they will not be single minute? No one says salah upon the Prophet And the Prophet the life of the Prophet and the lives of all prophets, it is something we call it barzakhiyah. Okay, this is something, it's alive with Allah. Allah knows it. It's none of our business. It's not like the life we know here. Though we know. Because the life after death is different from this life. The Prophet ﷺ in Bukhari, when he passed on the night of uh, Isra, he said, I passed by the grave of my brother Musa, and I saw him standing praying. How can you stand in the grave? Tell me. Can you comprehend it? This is the grave. How can you stand? So, you cannot apply the human logic we know. And to make it easy for you to comprehend, because many people have become uh, materialistic and they are using the rational all the time and they don't pay any attention to the, to the sacred text. Life after death, we, the man, man passes through three phases. This life and the transitional life, which is the barzakh life, and the hereafter. Three phases. Now, the barzakh is similar to the sleep. In the sleep, 
when you are awake, we, in, when we are awake like this man now, we see with our own eyes, right? But in the sleep, the eyes are what? Closed. And the lights are off. Nevertheless, you see in the dream. You see the colors, you see the forest, you see everything. Now I am asking, via which of the five senses do you see? Any doctors here? Any answer from the floor? The eye, which is one of the faculties responsible for the sight, is closed. But I'm still seeing things. So I'm seeing by something I don't know it. Number one. Number two. When we dream, the longest dream lasts for seconds. The longest. What happens when you narrate it in the morning? How, much, how many minutes does it take? So what happened? As if the time has, time has stopped. And condensed. So many events were compressed in the sleep. So now, when you want to narrate it in the morning, there is different operating system. Right? The, the law, the rule is different now. So that's why it takes much, much time. More time. So, in the same way that in the sleep, you see with things you cannot understand, and you can and they see the events, many events within short period of time. The death, this is the minor death. Sleep is the minor death. The major death will be different. So every phase has its own laws. So you should not mix things together. So the Prophet is saying, do not make your homes like graves, because in the graveyard we cannot make salah. And people they go to the graves and they pray there and they go around the tomb. And I'll tell you this story happened in Medina. You know in Medina, when you want to go to the uh, house of the Prophet ﷺ, there is a police standing there. And all those who are mushriks and they're coming there, they hate the policemen there. And they hate the Saudis in general. Say they are Wahhabis. And now, you know, now there is a propaganda against Wahhabism. Because Wahhabism is the true Islam. There isn't any Wahhabism, something called Wahhabism, but they are referring to the movement of Muhammad and Abdul Wahhab, which he was a reformer, calling to the belief in the Quran and Sunnah upon the understanding of the companions. And that's what they call Wahhabism, which is the true Islam. Which tells the people, if you go to any Muslim country, and you tell them, don't worship the tombs, don't ask the dead, they say you are Wahhabi, right? Our Sheikh Nasadil Albani, he said, when we were students in Syria, our teacher was a Christian teacher who was teaching Arabic. So then he started praising the movement of Muhammad Abdul Wahhab as a reformer. I heard one of my colleagues is saying to his brother, our teacher is Wahhabi. <laughs> Though he was a Christian. <laughs> okay? So there isn't anything called Wahhabism. If you are traveling to any Muslim country, especially in, the far, in, the, in Asia, and you want to find those people of Ahl Sunnah, the true people on the Kitab and Sunnah in the airports tell to, to the taxi driver, do you have Wahhabis in this country? Where are the Wahhabi messages? Take me to them. They are my brothers. Okay? All right. So here in the message of the Prophet 
The policeman will not allow you to kiss the, the window or to touch it or something. So, in the, in the seminar of our brother, Sheikh Abdul Hakim, he mentioned that brothers now are building muscles and also women now they are doing the same thing. So one woman have strong muscles. You know what she did? You're not believing. She came to the policeman from behind, grabbed him well, took him up like that, and she was telling her colleagues, kiss now. <laughs> and the legs of the policeman were doing like this in the air. Wallahi al-Azim. By Allah. I'm not trying to telling, mentioning this to you to make you laugh. No. And when all they kissed, she put him back and she left. See? This is because ignorance. Jahl. She thought, according to her understanding, and she's, she is coming to be from Hajj. She thought that this man is the devil. He's stopping her from something which is part of the deen. She doesn't know those people are helping them not to spoil the tawheed to go to hell. How many minutes? Six minutes? Okay. I will conclude with sihr, sorcery, witchcraft, which is now widespread. You can have you can have PhD degree in, in sihr, by the way. In witchcraft. Yes. I heard an interview in one of the radios in the Muslim countries, he said, what was your thesis on? He was in Sihr, witchcraft. The thesis, the doctorate degree on thesis. So you can have a degree. Okay? In the kufr. Because Sihr is kufr. And whoever practices the magic, he is a disbeliever. That's what Allah said in Surah Al-Baqarah. But the Sihr exists and it has an effect by Allah's leave and will. And as we say, prevention is better than cure. So, if you want to avoid the sihr, lead on yourself, the ruqya. Maintain your adhkar, obtain your copy of Husm al-Muslim, the Muslim fortress, here. Obtain that copy and memorize it and read it. That is the protection against sihr. And don't go to magicians, soothsayers, diviner fortune tellers, palmists. Etc. All this is rubbish. This is shirk. Or horoscopes. What is your star? That is shirk. If you read it in the newspaper, your prayers will not be accepted for 40 days. And if you believe it, you become a disbeliever. Because the knowledge of the unseen belongs to Allah and Allah only. What the movement of the constellation, what the movement of the star in the sky has to do with my fate? And predestiny. Tell me. It's ridiculous. And you find, unfortunately, many people are customers, regular customers for magicians, especially women. Yes. Especially women. It's easily to deceive them. One of our colleagues will say, I, uh, Do you think that your father, your husband now is planning to do something? What do you mean he's planning to do something? That means he wants to marry another one? says, I think so. He, you, he's now, uh, the tone has changed. <laughs> okay. And all the time he's, he's 
mentioning these things. I think there is something there in the background. He said, don't worry. I know here, super magician. Okay? This super magician will go to him and he will just ask you to bring a garment or underwear or something and the name of his mother and he will write a spell and he will be a ring in your finger. You will be controlling him. Come, go. He will not do anything. And that's how they sell their bangles. They sell their jewelries because they ask them for money. Because they are naive and they don't know the tawheed. This is shirk. You are afraid to lose your husband. Now you are losing your deen. And by the way, don't, the brothers, please stop this monotonous tone. I will get married, I will get married. If you are a man, do it without threatening her. Otherwise, feel pity for the poor one. Okay? Don't behave like a child. Okay? All right. And this witchcraft, the witchcraft, the sihr, I've seen a documentary film. These United States of America are using the magicians. During the Cold War, war the Cold War War, they were using what? The magicians, the Cold War, between Russia and Soviet Union and America, so that they can bring data and information to them. And they call them psychics. And they are hotlines. And you want to log to this? www.shaitan.com okay. okay, brothers and sisters. Two minutes, something? There's a question? Okay. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept our deeds. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enlighten us. May Allah increase our faith. May Allah remain, increase uh, our faith uh, that we remain steadfast and when we meet him that he's pleased with us and he admits us with uh, his for, uh, he admits us into the Jannah and he envelops us into his forgiveness and mercy Amen I've got lots of questions um, but really we're not going to be able to answer them maybe until this evening because we've got only a couple of minutes left so I've tried to pick the most relevant one and uh, I'll just see if the Sheikh can answer this one question inshallah before we uh, finish for a break of half an hour, inshallah. What is it? What is it? I'll read it. Okay. The question is, Assalamu alaikum, uh, did one of the Sahaba, I think it was Ibn Masood, put a Quranic Taweez on his child? Ibn Taymiyyah approved, did, and then the a follow-on question is, did Ibn Taymiyyah approve on blowing on water? Please clar clarify. Jazakallah. Okay, I got the question. The question is, see, Ibn Abbas used to write Quranic verses and hang them around the necks of their children. Ibn Mas'ud is saying the opposite. Now, when we see the companions differed upon one issue, okay, then we have to refer this issue to the Quran and Sunnah. When we refer it to the Quran and Sunnah, we found that the opinion of Ibn Mas'ud is supported by the Sunnah of the Prophet. When the Prophet, as in Muatta Malik, he saw the children of Ja'far are very sick and weak, he said, What is happening to them? They said, The evil eye. He said, Seek for them the ruqya, read on them. He used to read in the Hassan and Hussein the Mu'awwadat. So the, the Prophet ﷺ never asked someone to write something. So the jihad of Ibn Abbas is weak opinion. And the most authentic opinion is the opinion of Ibn Mas'ud. Regarding reading on water, what we call uh, mahu, especially for the sihr, 
especially if they write a spell and you eat it. So you read in water or in olive oil or something like that. That is permissible. That is permissible. The Prophet ﷺ says in Sahih Muslim, لا بأس بالرقية ما لم تكن شركة وانفع خاك بما استطعته. There's no problem with the ruqya as long as not shirk. So reading on water and reading the dua and the, 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 the ruqya, it is permissible. And the salaf, they did that and it is effective. It is effective. Allah knows best. Jazakallah khair. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. The next uh, lecture is going to be beginning at 6, so if we can uh, vacate the room, inshallah, have a break, and 6 o'clock back here sharp, inshallah. Jazakallah khair. سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت واستغفرك واتوب اليك